Energy Department has a backlog of nuclear waste cleanup responsibilities, a big one. There's material dating back to World War II, but continuing turnover in program leadership means things just aren't happening. More now from the Government Accountability Office Natural Resources and Environmental Team Director, Nathan Anderson, who spoke with Tom Tenen. So what is going on here? The Energy Department says it needs something like a half a trillion dollars to do the cleanup of nuclear waste. Give us the scope of what it is they're trying to do here in the first place. Well, you've got the dollar figure right in terms of the best estimates that we can give at this point. It is looking like almost a half a trillion dollar future financial responsibility of the federal government. I want to take you back a little bit to how we got here. You know, for decades, we were in the Cold War and we were producing nuclear weapons and we had sites across the country that were engaged in the Manhattan Project and ultimately in the arms race that we were involved in until the late 1980s. And then around that time, the switch was flipped, if you will. And all of a sudden, we had to embrace the cleanup responsibilities that came with the end of the Cold War and kind of embracing both the environmental and moral responsibilities of cleaning up the waste. And that's where we're at now. You know, we've been at this for a little more than 30 years, in a way, trying to figure out the best way forward in terms of addressing the environmental and human health risks and also, you know, the financial risks. And what is the scope of the issue geographically? Is there material that needs to be dealt with all over the place? There are 15 active cleanup sites that the Department of Energy is responsible for addressing. The biggest site in terms of financial risk and scope of waste is probably the Hanford site out in southwestern Washington. There's also a massive cleanup operation at the Savannah River site in South Carolina. There's a nuclear repository down in New Mexico at the Waste Isolation Pilot Plant. DOE recently kind of completed some of their activities at the Brookhaven Lab in New York. But as I'm kind of going through this list, you can see it really is all across the country uh, where we have these sites and have these cleanup responsibilities. And what does cleanup actually entail? It has to be removed and put somewhere else and buried in concrete or what? Well, I think one of the best ways to describe this is you've got nuclear waste and radioactive waste that is in tanks at a couple sites around the country. There are 177 underground tanks at the Hanford site. These tanks are massive. I've stood in a mock-up of one. They hold up to a million gallons of waste. You've also got contaminated soil and groundwater. Decades ago, during the nuclear weapons production mission, not as much was understood about the risks that some of these liquids and some of these contaminants contained. And so some of it was dumped directly into the ground and that has permeated into uh, the groundwater at certain sites. And then you've also got contaminated facilities that need to be demolished and that contamination needs to be dealt with appropriately. So I would say the three big cleanup activities are addressing the waste that's in the tanks. That's the really nasty stuff the soil and groundwater that needs to be remediated, and then also the excess facilities that need to be demolished, and that contamination needs to be remediated. And does that put the Energy Department in the position of being a buyer of contracted services to actually do this? Are there companies that handle this type of thing? Yes, it does. DOE is one of the largest contracting departments out there, probably right behind DOD in terms of the percentage of money that is put out to contracts. And now, You've got companies around the country that are technically equipped to do this. And what DOE needs to do is ensure that for the taxpayer, you get the benefits of competition at each one of these sites. And then you also have the kind of like the accountability frameworks that are embedded within the contracts themselves to make sure that cleanup is happening in a risk-informed way. I like to say that contractors can do anything we ask them to do in this country. 
it's up to the Department of Energy and specifically the Office of Environmental Management to make sure that what they are asking the contractors to do is aligned with the risks that some of this waste poses. You know, you recently commented about cement. That's a perfect example. There are opportunities to take some of this tank waste, like out of Hanford, and put it in cement rather than glass because it's very low levels of risk and cement or grout, as it's termed in the industry, is significantly cheaper than the alternative. We're speaking with Nathan Anderson, a director in the Natural Resources and Environmental Team at the GAO. And the thesis of your report this time around is not really, though, how big the task is, but the fact that a revolving door of leadership at the Environmental Management Office of DOE is one of the hindrances to steady progress here. Tell us more about what you found. You're hitting the nail on the head in terms of what this most recent report does touch on. And you know, we've just spoken about kind of the size and complexity of the issues. And what you'll see across government oftentimes when you have a set of issues that are technically challenging and huge in scope and long-lasting in endurance is you have a leader of those federal responsibilities who has either a fixed-term appointment and in many cases also an elevated level within the department. And that's what we are leaning towards in this new report, is that Congress should take those two actions to address the frequent turnover by having like a fixed-term appointment of four to five years to make sure that you've got a strong signal inside and outside government that this is a position that requires stability. And then also that there should be an undersecretary position within the Department of Energy to, uh, again, provide that signal that there needs to be a high level of organizational clout, that these are issues that are long-lasting and require stability and commitment from the senior leader within the department. Because that idea of a term appointment seems to refer to the fact that there's really nothing political about what they're trying to do in this particular instance, and that is clean up this nuclear waste and render it safely for however long it's radioactive, which is long after you and I will be gone. But there's not really a need for a new political to come in and reverse policy every six months or 18 months. Absolutely. And those two things really, in our view, need to go together. You need to have the fixed term that can span administrations and, again, demonstrate that this is a responsibility of the federal government to the states and to the sovereign tribal nations that bore the cost of the Manhattan Project and our nuclear weapons production mission. And also that that senior leader within the department needs to be of a sufficiently high level to be able to speak to their counterparts, you know, for example, in the states, to ensure that you have that level of commitment from the department. But there must be a standing federal senior executive and career workforce that is working these issues, making sure the contracts are taking place. They know the statute that requires energy to do this and the other policies related there, too. So why should it make a difference if one political clown after another comes and goes? You do have That was my word, not yours. <laughs> we, we do have a very dedicated cadre of technicians and public servants that serve in the Office of Environmental Management. You know, there have been tremendously capable senior leaders, assistant secretaries at the Department of Energy that are responsible for this mission. But at the end of the day, resources are scarce. At the end of the day, priorities need to be set. Not everything can be done. And what we're seeing is an increasing cost, substantially increasing cost for the long-term mission of environmental cleanup within the Department of Energy. And I think it's uh, over the last seven or eight years, it's almost doubled in terms of what we call the environmental liability, that total cost to the government for the cleanup mission. And that is a kind of a strong prompt or a catalyst to say, okay, is the status quo working? Uh, right. I would so, argue that the, the status quo needs to change. And is the uptick in costs or the rising costs a function of 
it taking longer to get the whole work done? Or, I mean, what's the driver of that increasing cost? Uh, that's certainly part of it. You know, schedule plays a big role here. And if the cleanup mission is extended by 10 or 20 years, you know, there are costs associated with that that can really drive it up. There are also some big project management problems that have occurred over the last you know, handful of years that have, have prompted the department to look at, okay, if this isn't going to work as intended, how are we going to estimate the cost of the alternative? Now, I would say that you know, GAO has identified a handful of options that could really buy down that half a trillion dollar cost estimate that you kind of led with. There are opportunities, and I would submit that while those opportunities are tens of billions of dollars or more, it will require like elevated leadership attention to be able to get there. And uh, yet another reason why a fixed-term appointment and an undersecretary position could really help you. Nathan Anderson is director of the National Resources and Environmental Team at GAO. We'll post this interview along with a link to his report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash federal drive. Still ahead on Federal News Network, the IRS is peeling away its stodgy reputation for using technology. This is the Federal Drive with Tom Temin on Federal News Network. I'm Jared Serbu, filling in for Tom. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffles Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week. So patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show, and you definitely got tickets. And drinks. Now hurry and make it back to your spot. Pass this person and that person about 20 more. Ooh, watch out for feet. Hey. Just keep going. A little further. Oh, there's your friend. Over here. Right where you want to be. Close enough to see the set list. And they're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it.